that's probably the main reason why I'm so excited about DAOs, because I think there's so much talent in, in the world, and it will give people in other countries and you know even people in the states who might not have the pedigree or who might not have the wealth a lot of opportunity. Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains and the go-to place for everybody to learn about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. Join us each week to hear from experts, entrepreneurs, and the early stage investors that are building the future on the blockchain. Not only will this podcast help you understand why these emerging technologies are so important, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in the metaverse. GMGM, GM, thank you for tuning in to the Unstoppable Podcast. My name's Josh Gordon. I'm your host. And today I'm joined by Peter Yang. He is deep in the DAO world, the founder of a Web3 DAO called Odyssey, focused on education. Now, Peter, I'm super stoked to dive into this. I'm I'm learning a lot more about DAOs day in and day out. And I, I love the fact that you really have a education component here, because I think education is just a the driver for adoption for crypto and Web3, you know, broadly. So excited for this topic and conversation. How are you doing today? I'm great. Yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me to this podcast, Josh. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. I've been tuning into some of your Twitter spaces and, you know, just, just been following you guys since really the inception of the year. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm friends with one of your contributors too on the content side, Bernie. I believe he worked on some content with you all. Could you please start and explain really how you got into crypto originally and how that led you to starting this Web3 education DAO? I've been working at a bunch of different Web2 companies and I've also been a creator on the side. I have my blog post and I have a book and a course and stuff. And you know, I'm, I'm really into the creator economy, right? And letting people make a living doing what they love online. And about a year ago, my friend Patrick started talking to me about crypto and it just became obvious to me that the future of the creator economy is kind of in the crypto Web3 space because, you know, in Web3, the promise is that the creators and the fans will be able to own the upside from their work as opposed to having the platforms take a huge cut, right? So I started looking into it and uh, the more I look into it, the <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's like a rabbit hole that you can't get out, out of. And I started learning about NFTs, DeFi. And when I got to learn about DAOs, I figured might as well create a community that's more than just about myself. So we can all learn about this stuff to, together. And that, that's kind of how Odyssey started. I feel like a big thing on Twitter is learning in public. And so that seems like maybe partially a theme in your focus on writing is you're learning about Web3 as you go and learning alongside other people at the same time. Yeah, exactly. You kind of need to have a social presence to be involved in the Web3 space, I, I think. so. Meet a lot of great people on Twitter, join a lot of really cool Discord communities has been key to my learning journey. When we're talking about the DAO that you're you're part of now and the creator economy in general, why is the mission really focused on education with Odyssey? Yeah, so maybe at some point the web free space will become like the UX will improve so much and like the scams will like decline so much that there won't be a need for a lot of education. But right now that's definitely not the case. This space is kind of like the Wild West, and you really need to know what you're doing to explore the space 
without losing a ton of money or getting scammed or like <laughs> it's like you know, paying a lot on gas, right? So, so that that's why I thought education was really important. Everything from you know securing your wallet, the basic stuff, to making sure you're aping to the right anti projects and DeFi protocols that are not scams. I, I think it's just really important for people to understand. You have to remember that 99% of people are not in the space. And there's also a huge chunk of people who are already very skeptical of this space. So I'm hoping that education will play a role in giving people a better on-ramp. Because you know, once you get scammed or once something bad happens, you probably just you know anti-Web3 all together. I just want to clarify here, like the education isn't just focused on like safety measures, right? It really does it cover to why is Web3 important or these are the different parts of the technology stack. You know, are you covering are you covering it holistically? Or are you really focused on more like security around keeping your assets safe? Yeah, we want to take a person, anybody who's like slightly curious about this stuff, on a journey from you know not knowing anything about this at all, or maybe just having a Bitcoin or something, to all the way to being familiar enough to be able to, you know, buy NFTs, to be able to use DeFi protocols to be able to contribute to DAOs. So you want to take someone from crypto curious to more crypto native, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. I appreciate that approach too. And it's important to talk about the whole gamut of things. And it's there's so much new information coming out day to day in crypto that it can be really overwhelming. And like the education space, even for someone who's in it full time, I am always trying to play catch up on the latest developments on the tech side or the latest NFT projects. And sometimes even forget to skip some of the latest developments on how to make sure I'm keeping my like wallet safe. And as browsers need updating and you know new features come out. So cool to see you focusing on all that. Now, as you've been building your team and been building, I'd say collaboratively, because that's the nature of the decentralized autonomous organization, what are some core principles that you and your team are following as you grow? And I ask that because I feel like working in a traditional company structure, you set out your, your mission and your vision and you have some cultural values that everyone follows. Is that the same in a DAO or is it more free for all? It can easily be free for all. I do think it's, it's very important. At least the way I approach it is it's still very important for a DAO to have a clear mission and core values and also like priorities for each quarter or each season, right? I mean, the reality is like a lot of DAOs haven't shipped a good product, right? <laughs> I'll take Odyssey as an example. Like we have a pretty clear mission. We want to bring 1 million people to Web3 by providing great high quality education. And we have clear values some of them are not really being met right now, but like our, our values are quality over quantity. We want like high quality learning content. Another value is delightful onboarding, which is like we want to get people a good experience in the community. That's a work in progress because <laughs> you know how messy these Discord servers get. Last one, I want to like build a culture where people are paying for helping each other as opposed to you know trying to flip NFTs or trying to ask about floor prices. Those are our values and, and it kind of goes down all the way down to like clear priorities, right? Like I, I, I do think you need to have maybe like three to five clear product teams or work streams for every quarter. And maybe this is like an anti-doubt, but like I, I feel like 6,000 people running like a hundred different directions isn't going to be very productive at all. So you're really actually thinking about product and delivery on a quarterly basis. 
Yes. I feel like that's an interesting comment to make because I've heard of a lot of DAOs working on, okay, we, we set bounties and this is a task for someone to help contribute to, but I haven't really heard too much. And maybe it's because I'm not involved in some of that direction setting in, in a particular DAO myself, but I haven't heard of people setting like quarterly direction and vision and aligning under those goals. To me, it's always felt like more ad hoc requests coming left and right. We have like quarterly priorities from the core team, like, you know, four or five people. But if someone else wants to spin up a new project, as long as they check in with the core team, we want to empower them to do it, right? I don't think like a big bounty board, a big Jira board with like 100 different tickets and just like let the 6,000 people do a free-for-all is going to build any good products. I, I, just don't, <laughs> I just don't believe that. And another key challenge that all DAOs face, I think, is like, let, let's say you have a Jira ticket about like, you know, write a blog post about DeFi, right? If 10 people pick up that ticket, probably 9 out of 10 will have bad content. And maybe 1 out of 10 will actually have content that's actually good. So you don't want to give people a bad experience where they like write this stuff and like it's actually not good enough and like kind of waste their time, right? So at least our DAO, we don't have a bounty board yet. We have like keyword streams and people can help. But we don't have like 100 different tickets that people can take on. Uh, you mentioned your core, your core team here. And I have a follow-on question on that. For setting a core team within a DAO, and, and at least from your experience, how does that work? And is there is there ability for that core team to be changed? You know, I see with the ApeCoin DAO, they have a founding board, and those people are sit on it for six months. And then after that, the community can vote on if they should stay on the board or if we should nominate new people. You know, is, is the core team within Odyssey DAO fluid or kind of set? And then you have contributing people from the community underneath. Bottom line, like whether you're a company or a DAO, like talent is talent and you want to retain good talent, right? Well, we've only been around for like four months. So <laughs> it's only like a season and a half so far. But the core team is season one, we had like four or five people on the core team. And season two, like a bunch of people in the community stepped up and just did a lot of really good work. So we added a few folks to the core team. Some people are too busy working on other stuff. So we like removed like a few folks too. So it's a little bit fluid, but like, you know, if someone's really good, like I, I obviously want to keep them around. I don't want to bounce. Yeah. That's a good comment there about wanting to retain talent, especially with like the fast nature of Web3. Like people can move to any protocol or any DAO or any project with, you know, the click of a couple buttons. So you really want to keep the people who are really valuable to you. So Thinking more about now shifting from, you know, your experience standing up this DAO and the vision, I'd like to talk about just more DAOs broadly here. So I've got a question for you around what's the greatest barrier of entry to crypto that you see in like curious people, but who may not be like crypto native specifically. And I saw in one of your recent, your recent blog posts uh, or newsletter articles, you wrote about how the onboarding journey in Web3 really has this almost waterfall approach where we have most of the people in exchanges, and then a steep drop off to people who have their own wallet, like a MetaMask. And then we have another steep drop off from people who use MetaMask to the amount of people who actually own NFTs or participate in DeFi. The biggest barrier is, is setting up that your own wallet and, and like being able to do something with it. Right? That, that's the biggest barrier because just putting, uh, just buying some, you know, ETH or Bitcoin and putting it into exchange. You're not really doing a lot 
in crypto. You're just kind of like holding an asset and hoping it'll appreciate. And, and the moment that someone sets up a MetaMask wallet or something, like, like there's like so many scammers and finishers just like attacking you, right? It's just like all over the, all over the social media, and like that is the biggest barrier. The wallet, I really think, will become uh, key to onboarding consumers to crypto. Like to me, the ideal on ramp is like I can just buy some crypto with my credit card and put it into the wallet directly. And after I buy some ETH or something, I know exactly what I want to do with it. Like, like the wallet itself has UX to show me like cool NFTs I might want to buy or like DeFi protocols I might want to use to earn yield. Like then the value is immediately clear, right? Like, you know, I'm using this ETH to actually do something. As opposed to what happens right now, which is like people have either stuck on uh, centralized exchanges or they have a bunch of stuff in their wallet and they're just getting fished by like, you know, MetaMask support or like some of these <laughs> scam, scam sites. Yeah. Wallets right now are very much simply storage solutions or I, I feel like I've referred to them in the past as a folder on my desktop. I open the folder, I drop things in it, and I can look at them and move them. But that's about, it's not necessarily an application. It's really just a folder where I'm holding things. You know, I work for Unstoppable Domains, and it's something I think we're thinking about a lot is how do we make that wallet experience better? And for us, one of those ways that we're trying to add value is through NFT domains. So that instead of your wallet address, which is long, a long cryptonumeric, you know, 0x, then a ton of letters and numbers after that, you can use like peteryang.nft or josh.crypto. And that experience too can help onboard, you know, the next X million people to crypto. What about identity? How do you see that shifting the onboarding experience? Maybe there's a, this concept of a Web3 identity where instead of like a LinkedIn where like people make up a bunch of shit, like <laughs> you actually have on-chain credentials and stuff that you did on-chain that you want to showcase, right? Like maybe you built a dApp or like you did a bunch of transactions and like stuff they want to show showcase. And there's also a concept of like extending beyond that where you can sign everywhere on the internet with your Web3 identity. You can also communicate with other wallets or other Web3 identities. I think the Web2 social networks have very strong network effects like Twitter, right? So it's going to be very hard if you're trying to build like a Web3 Twitter or a Web3 Discord. It's got to be like a step function better than what the Web2 solution is. And the other thing about Web3 is that, you know, it, it sounds good in theory that it's, it's nice to come to a page where everyone can see Peter's on-chain credentials, right? But in reality, like if you go to Etherscan, the data is like really messy. There's like a bunch of, it's, it's like a database that's not been clean, right? So like, I don't necessarily want to showcase the fact that I bought some the gentle token and lost a bunch of money. <laughs> you got you to gotta give people some way to polish it up a little bit while still keeping the honesty and the transparency that's core to Web3, if, if that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I actually watched this crypto documentary on Netflix last night. And there was this one part where they were talking about, it was about this Canadian exchange that had this massive rug pull and I don't know. No one really knows if the founder is alive still. And but they were talking about, oh, it's we have to go to the blockchain and start researching where the where the money went. And on the on the in the movie in the doc, there's it almost looks like the Matrix with all these graphics flying around. And in my head, I was just thinking, 
oh, this looks nothing like Etherscan, you know, and you're trying to follow these transactions and click throughs. And I don't really know what I'm looking at, but it's really not what people think it is when you're thinking about following the following the flow in this public ledger. But you mentioned LinkedIn and credentials. So I think that brings me to really another point I want to talk about is how DAOs help democratize work and, and how that identity piece fits in here. Could you kind of clearly explain here again in Web2 how we do credentials and reputation and how that could change with the DAO and, and how that helps people access potentially you know, new forms of work? So in Web2, to get a great job, you need to, you know, a lot of it is like, these artificial filters, you have to go to a good college, you have to go work at FAN or something. And, and like then then like people filter out, people filter your resume and then you have a bunch of interview rounds and then you get hired, right? The thing web three, I think the problem is, is that you can you can just like showcase, you can you can actually just start doing great work to get hired <laughs> or, or to start contributing. That that's probably the main reason why I'm so excited about DAOs, because uh, I, I think there's so much talent in, in the world. And it will give people in other countries and, you know, even people in the States who might not have the pedigree or who might not have the wealth, a lot of op- opportunity, right? I, I think maybe the closest proxy to that, and I'm not a developer, but like, you know, it's like GitHub or something, or like some, something that shows like all the stuff that you did already. That's kind of like proof of work, right? So how, how do we extend that to, to like other types of contributors, like marketers or like product people or like, how do we do that? If, if we can figure that out, it can really make a huge difference in the world. Yeah. And you really see this as a, an equalizing opportunity for maybe people in underrepresented communities or people not just in America being able to contribute to maybe work that they wouldn't have been able to because of geographical limitations or access to education. It sounds like that's what I'm hearing a little bit when you describe maybe that future forward uh, perspective. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, I, I guess it's kind of like the American dream, but like it applies to the whole world. Like that, that was going to make that happen. So has anyone within Odyssey actually used, you know, proof of work or some kind of on-chain resume to land a job with, with what you do at, at the DAO? Yeah, I have a lot of examples actually. So like when I started Odyssey, it was just me like writing a bunch of content, right? And like didn't have anyone to design or build a website. And then two community members stepped up. One is from Indonesia. She works at like a food product company. And another one is just like a, it's like a Webflow developer. But like they really like put the Figma together and just started doing it and like started doing the web website. And it looks great <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. So it's not on chain, but like they did good work and I can see the good work and therefore they should get compensated. And now they're like the product leads for the DAO. Uh, similarly, you know, we had a member in the community who just knew a lot about DeFi and started writing a bunch of DeFi content. And I could see that the content was actually really good. So now he's like leading the whole DeFi path and he'll probably teach the DeFi course if we do one. So those people are like super valuable and people that we want to retain in the DAO, right? They're like talent that we want to retain in the DAO. That's super interesting that community members stepped up, contributed and now play an integral part in what you do. I'd, I'd be really interested to see, you know, as you progress, how you eventually do give them some kind of badge, some kind of reputation 
that they can then show to others. And it's it's really hard with the reputation and the badges because even if you do, let's say the person who made the website, you gave them, I'm just going to say like, I made a website badge, right? How does that translate to like other companies or other DAOs? It's a little, it's, it's hard because what makes your badge the, the credit of like the gold standard of reputation versus what could come from another DAO that has a completely different standard for the quality of work. That's an issue I see right now. I'm, I'm not sure how we overcome that, but still finding ways to show some kind of on-chain example of contribution, I think are definitely valuable. Yeah, I mean, DAOs themselves probably have a reputation. Like uh, if you get some on-chain credential from Odyssey DAO, like it's only meaningful if the Odyssey DAO course or whatever we're doing uh, is actually valuable to people. I think that's also why we're trying to build a brand that allows you to trying to make the content really high quality. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there needs to be a crediting uh, DAO that that actually rates like AAA status for all DAOs in the space. That's the one trusted source. But again, that's that's probably not very Web3. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's some friends working on like Yelp for DAOs or something. I, I don't know how it's going to work out. But yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. I, I got to check that out. Now, talking about how DAOs can help democratize finance and asset ownership, let's let's dive into those two segments since we talked about work. So I, I think asset ownership's a little more interesting than finance because finance has been a topic that's really been drilled into a lot. But how do you see this? You know, how do you see DAOs helping solve for asset ownership in this Web3 and creator economy world? I think uh, asset ownership, like uh, when I think about asset, like, you know, NFT is like a unique asset, right? So like, that is like asset ownership. And I basically think like every single creator will, will start using NFTs as a key monetization channel, just like how they use like advertising and subscriptions right now, right? I think NFTs are especially valuable for your 1,000 true fans or, you know, whoever's going to go with you on this journey. You know, a, a creator community is basically a DAO, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be a DAO and it, it could actually be a way to scale up a DAO much more. I think right now, maybe there's like a few handful of like uh, quality that DAOs, but like if, if every single creator actually has their own DAO, their own community powered by NFTs, that could vastly expand the ecosystem that we have right now. Going down the creator use case, you're basically, you buy an NFT, you're basically owning a part of this creator community. And as the, theoretically, as the creator, you know, becomes more popular or the stuff that they produce becomes more valuable, your NFT will also appreciate and you'll be able to participate in the upside. This is totally on the spot. So, you know, sometimes brainstorming sessions on the spot don't aren't always valuable, but I have a question I want to throw to you. So I'm a podcaster and truth is I'm not looking to monetize from my community off my podcast. If you were to throw out an example, how would I integrate NFTs or a DAO into how I connect with the community, the people listening right now, the people I chat with on Discord, you know, is there a way that I can think about it besides just the truth is I'm not really looking to make money, but I'm but I think it would be really interesting to have some kind of NFT and incorporate it into what we do. And I haven't quite come up with the answer to that yet. For for the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing it, it out because I think that's a version of a creator and you were kind of talking about the, the creator NFT, you know, use case here. How valuable a creator NFT is really depends on how much utility the creator ties to the NFT, right? And like a lot of fans 
the money thing is is, is good, but they, they just want to have access to the creator. So in your particular example, if I'm a super fan of Unstoppable Podcast and I buy an NFT, it would be great if I can get some special access to the podcast. Like maybe I can call in or be like a five minute guest or maybe have like a backstage pass to the guests that you bring on to have a private chat with them after the podcast is over. Like that kind of stuff will be super valuable and, and like is would it be why I buy the NFT as opposed to uh, only hoping it appreciates in value, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's that's a really good point there. The The NFT can provide more than just monetary value for the creator or the fan. It can be an access point. And so, yeah, you threw out some good examples like access to the getting questions involved in the podcast for the guests, or maybe it's getting a one-on-one, a one-on-one like webinar type thing or Zoom call, or or maybe it's even podcast episodes that are private just for NFT holders. So it's definitely something I'm going to think about a little bit more. <laughs> I appreciate you throwing out some examples on the spot there. And talking more about assets and NFTs, I've seen you talk about, you know, new I own X, like NFTs right now are their member, their access memberships. We've seen music NFTs, collectibles, art. What are some new types of assets and use cases that you're excited about in 2022? You know that are going to be represented with this digital token. So so far, it's, it's a lot of it is just like JPEGs and art and like profile picture stuff, right? And like, I, I think the natural next step will be to expand to other types of media. So like music, video, and other types of media. And there's also like a emerging use case for like, you know, NFTs provide access to communities. If you think about, if you think about like regular life, like what are the most valuable, unique assets that you own? It's, it's stuff like my house or like it's stuff like my marriage certificate, right? Those are like very valuable, unique assets. Presley, like, let's just take the house example. Like when, when I bought a home here, there were like maybe like 10 different middlemen that took like a huge cut and they all made a huge profit because the house is like super expensive, right? So how do you allow people to buy and sell houses directly through some type of NFT? <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be a much longer process. It's not going to be able to... Like if you start a company in this field, there's like so much bureaucracy and stuff that you have to jump through, just like an incumbent industry that you have to fight against. But if you find a way to unlock this, it could have a massive impact on people's lives. The founders and entrepreneurs have the courage to do these uh, other types of assets. Like I, I, I really encourage them. I, I want to help them, right? Because like... That's how you bring crypto to the masses and bring utility. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a really interesting one I just saw this past week, and I'm seeing it pop up a little bit more and more is Step. I think it's like Stepin. It's this NFT, like, I think a a new developing wave of assets or NFT use cases we're going to see is like X2. Instead of play to earn, it's going to be something to earn. And so step this like step NFT is run or walk to earn. And then I've seen, I saw one that is, it's kind of like Google Maps. They're creating a web three version of Google Maps. And you can, you can put like a dash cam on your car and like drive and map to earn. And so these additional use cases where we're incentivizing someone to help contribute to the broader network and in exchange earn the native token. I think those kinds of use cases are going to kind of proliferate here as people get more comfortable with the idea of doing doing something to earn and, and what that looks like. And even with like Helium 
miners. If, if, you, if you've heard of those, it's like you put up your miner and then you're providing like infrastructure to earn. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to get an asset, right? You either buy it or you earn it. And I, I think it's the earning part that really kind of like democratizes access and you know gives more people off, off opportunity. So yeah, the more use cases there, the better. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about some DAO problems now. This is an evolving space, so it's okay for there to be problems. We're working through them, and people are innovating to you know solve them. I've seen you talk about three: discovery, onboarding, and compensation. Can you walk me through some of these problems, how you're thinking about them? Yeah, so discovery is, there's so many Discord servers out there. How do you find something that I'm actually interested in? I mean, honestly speaking, the, the best tool to solve this problem right now is just like Twitter, right? <laughs> you just follow people and like you find these DAOs. But there's probably a product out there that's like a DAO directory or something where not only it, it shows all the DAOs, but it shows like, what kind of activity is going on and like uh, what kind of people are involved and you know, if you're interested. And then once you discover a, a DAO that you're interested in, the onboarding is like a massive problem for DAOs. It's very hard to go from like entering a Discord server to actually figuring out where you can get value or add value. So we need like products to, like right, right now, people just use like a Google form or something, right? It's like, hey, um, which, which part of the DAO you want to contribute to? What are your talents? Blah, blah, blah. But there must be a better product out there where Maybe you can carry over some credentials from other DAOs. You can like list your interests and your talents and, and like just get onboarded without having to like manage my Discord servers. And what was the last one that I mentioned? I, I think it's compensation, right? So compensation, yep. There's some like very near-term problems where like, you know, if I want to pay 30 contributors, I should be able to bulk pay them and not have to wait till midnight for the gas prices to become low. There's some tools out there that already solve these problems. There are some broader problems where like a lot of DAOs use like bounty boards. Let's say I have a bounty where you write a blog post and I'll give you 0.1 ETH. I guess what ends up ha- happening is like 10 people will do this ticket and like nine times out of 10, it'll be like a crappy blog post. And I actually don't want to give you any ETH for, for writing a crappy blog post. So like, how do you make the composition transparent, but also make sure that people are not wasting their time doing work that will not be accepted? Like, that, that's like a pretty hard problem to solve. So, so yeah, there's like a lot of problems there. Yeah. Yeah, that, that compensation one that you just mentioned sounds super tricky. It's just like in Web2 or in a traditional company, that filter is you hired someone. So you did the pre-screening already. You trust, you trust what they can do. And then you have checks and balances within the company. But now in a distributed way, it's how do you provide those checks and balances? Because... I, I could totally see a world where most of the most of the responses are not the ones that you actually want to use. And then that's a lot of wasted energy and could also potentially lead to just people not wanting to contribute again in the future, which discouragement is definitely not the goal of any DAO that's trying to build, you know, from the ground up grassroots style. I also wanted to make a comment on the discovery topic is, and this is something I've talked to the CEO of Unstoppable, Matt Gould, about. And it's kind of like a future, just a future state that I think I see this going is, okay, so you want to discover DAOs. We also want to discover NFTs. And and I think part of that is, part of that is using the data that you carry to contribute to like recommendation algorithms that we're so used to today in Web2. But we don't just want everybody to be able to 
see all the transactions we do. And so right now, a lot of times we connect to websites with our wallet and that's how we have some access. But instead, if we if we could log in with your NFT domain and as an NFT domain owner, I can then permission certain data points that I've connected to like my profile and my identity, I could then, I could allow a website to access my NFT collection. I could permission adapt to see my transaction history or to see my interests that I've tied to my domain, like through some off-chain data connections. And that can give marketplaces. It could give dApps, like information on what to serve up to me uh, for like potential interests. So that's kind of a place that I see discovery going in the future is how do we as as individuals who have digital identities permission decentralized applications to access pieces of data that we give them. Then the decentralized app can take that data and help with that discovery journey. Because right now, really right now, when you connect to a dApp with your wallet, you're giving it pretty basic functionality, but it is, it's not taking your data into account. It's just really creating a connection point to do some kind of transaction. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, data is all public on the blockchain, right? But like, that's, the whole, that's what Web3 is all about. So yeah, being able to parse that data and like personalize the experience using that data will be really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Will be super interesting to see who starts that personalization journey. Because I could also see some, I think for crypto curious people, that might be something you're looking for. For crypto native people right now who are like deep into crypto Twitter, that kind of access is probably something a lot of them don't want because it is kind of the, you know, big company tapping into your data narrative. But at the same time, in a world where we have way more digital assets and like there's more websites than you can search for without those recommendation algorithms and understanding the user, it leads to a worse experience. So I think it'd be valuable. To be conscious of time here, you know, I have a couple more questions and I want to dive into our web one, two, three. But I want to ask as, you know, as someone who works in Web2 from a product side and has a lot of experience in that world, what lessons learned from Web2 are you finding yourself applying to Web3 from a product perspective? And, you know, I'm asking this because I'm hoping people in product roles uh, can take something away and, you know, apply it to their projects too. That's a great question. I think there's actually a lot of lessons to be learned from Web2, both good and bad. The core product fundamentals around starting with the customer problem, understanding the user journey, and like building a great experience. Like it doesn't matter if like web two or three or four, <laughs> like that applies always, right? So and, and like I think a lot of a lot of that actually gets lost in web three. Like it, a, a, there's I see a lot of people just like starting with the solution as opposed to like actually understanding what kind of value you're trying to provide. The other part of web two is is like, especially in these like larger companies. A lot of it is just like driving engagement and, you know, A-B testing and trying to improve the metrics. And thankfully, Web3 has not been like that so far. Like uh, in Web3, people care a lot more about the community and the vibe as opposed to just trying to grow some number by 2%, right? <laughs> I really like the fact that the qualitative feedback loops is like much more powerful in Web3 than Web2. And it's not just about trying to improve engagement and sacrifice and compromise elections or something, right? So, <laughs> so yeah. So I, I think that's a positive trend. 
But honestly, a lot of Web3 right now is developers building for other developers. And I think with more designers and uh, more other functions coming, um, I'm hoping that it will it will improve the product experience by a lot. Yeah, no, good comment about quantitative metrics being as important, if not more important than qualitative ones. I, I might have just switched that up in reverse order. <laughs> uh, the vibes, we're here for the vibes, like the the energy the you know the positivity the engagement in terms of you know just people actually having conversations that's a metric that or that's that's something to track and pay attention to and it may sometimes be hard to put numbers behind but it's so important in, in crypto right now and as people are finding like people are finding their digital community they're finding the people they want to hang out with and spend time with and that's that's so cool a previous podcast guest said you know, the internet vaporizes geography. And when that happens, we have people coming together and now getting to choose who they spend their time with, because you're not limited to your, you know, where you actually live. And you don't just have to go to your park or your local bar or your community center. You can find those places and those communities online. There's like a lot of lonely people out there, right? Like they're born in like a small town or like, you know, some somewhere where they can't find their community offline. So yeah, I do think it's very powerful that they can now go online and find like-minded people. Yeah, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, and it's partially why like Twitter's become basically now my, besides the fact that it's where all the crypto alpha goes down, it's why I've enjoyed Twitter so much versus like my Instagram, which I'd say I was much more on. Like Instagram was just all the people I knew from growing up. And now Twitter is all the people I've just encountered online. So can you tell me about one of the coolest DAOs, if there's any on your radar besides Odyssey that, that you're keeping an eye on? Uh, I haven't had a chance to look into it deeply. I think Syndicate DAO is pretty interesting to me. Democratize being able to participate in fundraising for like the, the hottest startups or like you know, the hottest assets. I, I think one use case that DAOs have been really good at is just like getting a bunch of people to pool a bunch of money together to invest in something, right? Whether it's like the constitution... <laughs> A golf course or some other thing so I'm, I'm really excited about kind of like this kickstarter 2.0 syndicate DAO thing to fund hopefully more projects where it's not just like <laughs> for the means it's more to improve the world yeah totally yeah i i like i like that one and i've seen syndicate DAO pop up several times on my timeline it's one that i need to dive into more as well and a question we got from the community it revolves around a family and i it is the question's basically is a family a DAO? And I guess it popped up from a conversation that was happening on a Twitter space. And I'd just be interested on your your quick take on on that. Are all families a DAO? Yeah, dude. Don't you know? Like I, I'm running my family on Snapshot. Like we have a vote each time. <laughs> it's a family a DAO. Well, it depends on like uh, how democratic the parents are. I guess you know. Do they want their kids to? Be like, is it like a democratic process where like I should do homework and you're like, hey, let's have a vote, vote first or or what? You know, honestly, I haven't thought too much about it because most, most families are smaller unit, units, right? So like, you know, it's more like three people or four people. I definitely don't think like, if you're talking about making my extended family a DAO, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't want my aunt and uncle to vote on what I do. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't really thought about that. Yeah. You're kind of right there. Families are smaller units of people, and I think that DAOs really, the real value prop of DAOs start coming into play as that number expands. So 
there's probably similarities to be drawn, but it, the number of people involved, so there's something there to that. All right, to wrap up, let's do our one, two, web three. I got three questions for you. One is, can you give me an influential web three creator, entrepreneur, or collector that's inspired or educated you? Okay, I'm gonna shout out my NFT project, my favorite NFT project so far, which is uh, Wonders NFT. They're like kind of flying under the radar a little bit. The founder's name is Nick. You know, he could have just made a JPEG collection, but he went off and made like audio, video, and like a whole whole, like space storyline around his collection, right? So I, I think that kind of extra effort and commitment is really interesting. And I, I think he's doing great work. Yeah, that you kind of combine my first and second question. There. The second question was, what's your favorite NFT? It could be it could be wonders, but maybe I'll extend this to what's your favorite DAO? We are actually planning uh, an NFT collection for Odyssey. Sorry for like plugging a little bit, but like I'm very excited about it because we want to highlight the diversity of talent in Web3. It's going to be like anime based. We, we found like a really good person to lead the art he's like a he works at one of the top gaming companies so <laughs> i have a lot of hope for, for for the art we're gonna try to tie some utility to it where like you know if you buy the nft you can get the course uh, that we're working on and like you can start being a co-owner in this DAO. love it yeah excited to see that come out and then third question in five years what's the craziest thing you think we'll be doing in the metaverse that people aren't thinking about yet Okay, well, like right now, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old, but like, I know the kids are playing, spending a lot of time playing Roblox and like hanging out online, right? I, I think there could be a come to a point where, like, I'm not sure if this is like good or bad, but like the default mode, you actually enjoy hanging out more online than offline because online you can find people who are into whatever niche you're into. And the metaverse, instead of just like a forum or something, is, is like, immersive enough that it feels like real real life, right? So there could be a point where maybe it's already happening with Roblox, where the the people, when they come home from work, they're like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with people who are crazy into anime like me and like go play games with them, as opposed to hang out with like people who are into sports or something (laughs) in my neighborhood. I I think that's going to happen very soon and it's, it's already happening. Love it. Appreciate those answers, Peter. Can you finish this up and let everyone know where they can connect with you uh, online, plug your social handles for everybody? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Peter G. Yang on Twitter. And then I have a blog at creatoreconomy.so. And if you want to learn Web3, come check out Odyssey at odysseydao.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for this conversation today. I definitely learned a lot. I have some takeaways and, and, and some new thoughts on DAO. So I appreciate your your perspective there. I'm going to keep reading your blog and be and be following Odyssey. So I like the mission. I've been on your Twitter spaces before, so I like what y'all are doing. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. Please be sure to like, subscribe. If you follow on YouTube, subscribe there if that's where you're watching our content. We put our videos out there. We put YouTube clips out on YouTube. And of course, every week, another episode of the podcast. So I appreciate everybody tuning in and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Thanks, Josh. Cheers. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share this with your friends. 
And remember, this conversation doesn't have to end here. Tweet us your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. I look forward to hearing from you and thank you so much for listening.